0: Next three Sundays, we're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about emotional health. Everybody's favorite subject, right? <laughs> because we love talking about our feelings. Uh, we're going to be talking about emotional health. It's kind of the perfect time to do so uh, because it's February, and honestly, in February, the sun doesn't shine a lot, and it's cold, so people are typically indoors. And some of the physical reasons can sort of amplify some of the things that are going on inside of us. And many people struggle with their emotions at this time of year. Uh, I know that in the upcoming week, Bell starts their Let's Talk campaign, which you'll see in the media and around really trying to encourage conversation around the subject of, of how can we keep our thoughts and emotions healthy? How can we pursue mental health? And when I say mental health, people sometimes think about mental illness, which is actually the opposite right? When you think about it, mental health is being healthy emotionally, being healthy in your thoughts so that you can handle the ups and downs of life and, and manage them while keeping your relationships and work and all those things healthy. Mental, mental illness is when things deteriorate to a place where you can no longer function well, and the people and the relationships and work and all those things become problematic because of where you're at. And so, To be clear, over the next three Sundays, today and the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, mental health. How to stay and find emotional health. And so this is a very general sort of topic that I think will be helpful for all of us. Uh, Upstairs in the lounge during our second service for the next three Sundays, we're going to be having some special sessions. uh, For those who maybe struggle with mental illness or want to learn more about it or have someone they love that is struggling with something a little more severe... And so we brought in some specialists that that know about these things to help equip people with tools. There'll be some Q&A. And so we're really trying to talk about this broadly as a church, and specifically for those who have a need in that particular area. Of course, as you know, this conversation affects all of us in some way or another. So uh, that's kind of what's happening. The next couple of Sundays will be, uh, the messages will be by video, and so I'm kicking off the series and then um, taking a little break for myself. Um, So... Today we're starting this message series called It's Fine. And of course, uh, you probably already know this, but when someone says it's fine, <laughs> they don't actually mean it's fine. I mean, nine times out of ten, I learned this early on in my marriage. First couple months, I came to my wife, Jessica, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? I just sent something was off. She said, nothing, I'm fine. And then a few hours later, stuff still was off, and I'm like, okay, well, is this something I did? Are we okay? And said, no, we're fine. I thought, okay, we must be fine. And of course, I realized later that fine doesn't always mean fine. Uh, That when we use the phrase, I'm fine, it's fine, we're fine, that usually what we're doing is saying, I don't want to talk about this, right? Or we're deferring it to later, or we're saying, you know what? Um, I'm just not interested. Uh, Leave me alone. And so, as I said, nobody really likes talking about their emotions. Nobody likes talking about what's really going in, on inside of them. So I thought maybe as a good segue, we'd start talking about our physical bodies. Uh, because all of us seem to like talking about our physical bodies. And I brought a, I brought a, a basket full of, of hygiene products. And hygiene uh, could simply be defined in this way so there'll be a little slide that pops up there. Hygiene, the practices that keep you healthy. And we understand about hygiene, and from the time we're little, we learn about physical hygiene and dental hygiene. I mean, uh, when our kids were were really little, they'd come crashing through the door, right? They'd skin their knee, and they would scream, mom, and I'd be standing right there, but they wouldn't call for me. They would call for mom because they knew dad has no empathy. (laughs) Still wondering why God called me to be a pastor, you know? It doesn't make sense. I'd be like, rub some mud on it, you'll be fine, you know? That's not a cut. Look at this, you know. And, and so the kids come in, Mom! And, and, you know, they have like a tiny little nick, like nothing. And so, of course, their mom would come down and lovingly care for them. She'd wash it with antiseptic. And they wouldn't let her put a bandage on unless she washed it with antiseptic. And then she'd put her little Elmo sticker on it and kiss it. And all of a sudden, they were better. And I'm thinking, of course, nothing happened, right? <laughs> uh, but kids understood that hygiene is important. Clean the cut, cover it up so it will heal properly. No gangrene. Where they learn this from the time they're little. And we teach them dental hygiene, right? Like we make our kids stay in the bathroom and brush their teeth and we put one of those little sand timers. Like don't stop until the sand timer runs out and they're like brushing one tooth the whole time. But it, we're teaching them dental hygiene because we understand that if they don't clean their teeth, problems, problems will come. Um, today I want to talk about um, emotional hygiene because we, we have all of these products that we all know about. That, that help us to keep our bodies and teeth, you know, clean. And, and so we've got, i got a whole assortment of stuff in here. Let's see what we got. We've got some after sun. <laughs> Nobody's using that right now. Um, we've got some Listerine, you know, kills 99.9% of germs. That's their disclaimer in case you get sick, right? Like, they're like, well, it's that 0.1%. Uh, we've got shampoo. We've got conditioner. We've got uh, rubbing alcohol and Band-Aids. That's, that's important, right, for disinfecting cuts. We've got dental floss in here. Hopefully you guys are using that. It's a good idea. Dental floss. we got all different types of toothpaste, Minty Clean, Sensodyne. We've got all kinds of stuff like that. We've got deodorant. Hope you're wearing yours. Thank you. Uh, we've got um, some hydrous cortisone cream with aloe, you know, in case you've got an awkward rash. Uh, we've got some bar soap. This a special box of bar soap. We've got all kinds of products. And you, you guys have these. Your house is full of them. And, and we know how to use them. Even our kids know how to use these products to maintain healthy bodies. But I wonder sometimes um, why we neglect our emotional hygiene. And emotional hygiene could be defined as the, the daily habits, the daily habits to monitor and address our emotional health. Imagine for just a moment if we spent as much time and money taking care of our minds, our thoughts, and our emotional life, our internal life, as we did our physical bodies. You know, if you look in your bathroom cabinet, you're going to find products you don't even use anymore. I mean, you've purchased so much stuff, and yet sometimes we neglect our thoughts, our emotions, and our minds. It's like, oh, that's not important. Oh, that's not a big deal. We go to our annual checkup with the doctor. We go to the dentist every six months. We, you know, we take showers, you know, uh, on consistent basis. I was going to put a timeline, but, you know, we do all of these types of things to maintain our bodies, and, and yet for some reason we neglect our Our emotional hygiene. And unfortunately, our neglect of it uh, can cause a lot of problems. And the later we choose to deal with stuff, the greater the consequence of it. The later we choose to deal with stuff, the greater the consequence of it. If you have a small cavity on your tooth and you go in and get it treated, problem solved. Like, your tooth will be fine. But if you ignore that cavity for months, And then years, what will happen? It will grow. Eventually, you might end up losing your tooth. And it's not really any different when it comes to our mental health. If we're not willing to address the things that are going on, they will progressively get worse. And let me ask you a question. What would you rather lose, a tooth or your mind? Yeah. You're like, that's pretty severe. Later problems become greater problems. Later problems become greater problems. Now, don't get me wrong. All of us will feel... Emotions, positive emotions, negative emotions. We'll feel joy and we'll feel sadness. We'll feel you know anxiousness and we'll feel peace. And we'll have all of these different emotions going on inside of us. And if we're healthy and if we're maintaining healthy emotional hygiene, then we'll be able to to handle the ups and downs of life and to be healthy. But if we neglect our emotional hygiene, things can deteriorate. Maybe you've experienced it yourself. Maybe you've experienced it with a friend or loved one where they've neglected their emotional care for so long that they've spiraled into a place that is dark and dangerous for them and the people around them. If we fail to practice emotional hygiene, it can potentially lead to emotional illness. And that's simply where things get so out of control that you you can't manage your life and the world and relationships around you because of what's going on in your mind and in your emotions. And that's why we talk about these things. It's such an important conversation for us to continue to have. Um, I was on the Canadian Mental Health Association website this week and learned that one in five adults in Canada will, at some point in their lifetime, battle mental illness. That's 20% of the people in this room either have or will battle with mental illness. The good news is that most mental illness can be treated, but the problem is is that so many people who struggle with mental illness or struggle somewhere along the spectrum uh, of mental illness, um, they never ask for help. The, the same website, the, the Mental Health Association, said that 50% of individuals who, who have battled depression never even sought out treatment. Think about that. Like if you had two people with broken legs and only one of them went to the hospital, like you understand the ramifications of that, of not taking care of damage that's been done and, 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 and seeking help and, and treatment. And so the question I wanted to ask is simply this, why are we, why are we so slow to seek help? when we're emotionally unhealthy? I mean, it's a great question, right? Like, why, why is it that we refrain from asking for help? Why is it that we refrain from seeking out counselor, advice, friends who can speak into our lives? Um, when it comes to our mental health and, and whether it's emotions we're dealing with or, or things that we're struggling with, when we're dealing with that, I think there's a couple of reasons. There's probably hundreds, but a couple that stand out in my mind. The first is the stigma that's kind of attached to it. Right? Because we all know what a broken leg is. We all know what a flu is. We all know what these physical ailments are, but we don't always understand mental illness, whether it be depression or anxiety or anything else. And so, because we don't understand it, we tend to kind of stay away from it. Uh, I was thinking about in the playground when I was a kid, they used to do this terrible thing. Uh, You'd be standing there, and someone would yell out, Karen has cooties. And everyone would be like, ah, and they'd all run away from Karen. And she's standing there going, What just happened? And I used to think, cooties, oh no. Like, like is it airborne? I mean, is it is it, you know, is it transferred by the touch? Like, what, what are our cooties? I actually had to look it up yesterday. It's like, it's not a real thing. But you probably knew that. It's just this made-up thing to ostracize somebody. And sometimes uh, mental illness and people that struggle with these things, it, it can often feel like that. People are just like, whoa, I don't get it. I don't understand even what that is. I don't have a definition. I don't understand it, so I'm just going to, going to stay away. And, and likewise, people who are struggling with their emotions and struggling with their thoughts uh, in a dark place, they, they don't want to reach out for help for fear that someone will just say, you know what, you've got cooties, you know, metaphorically and, and walk away. So that, that's definitely one. And so how do we remove the stigma by talking about it? That's the whole idea of Bell's Let's Talk campaign. It's like, let's, let's talk about this. More people... Have struggled with this and do struggle with this than any of us realize. And by talking about it, we can kind of lower the stigma, begin to understand, and then help support one another. So that's what we want to do. Uh, stigma is the one. The other one, I think, is our perception. Our perception. How we think about ourselves. So there have been times in my life where I have really been struggling under pressure, anxiety, stress. And if somebody asks me, How you doing, Nathan? I'd say, I'm fine. I'm doing great. My wife would tell you otherwise. <laughs> it's like, my husband is having a rough week, you know? But, oh, no, it's fine. And sometimes our perception of ourselves is, oh, yeah, it's just a bad week, which led to a bad month, which led to a bad year, which led to a bad decade. I'm fine. It's just a season. No, it's not a season. It's your life, right? And so sometimes our perception of how we're doing it actually is a, is a big deal, and it can actually affect whether we even recognize the struggles that we're facing ourselves. And so today what I want to do is I want to turn to uh, the words of Jesus. Uh, As we turn uh, to the gospel of Matthew chapter 7, this is Jesus and he's actually teaching in his message we call um, the Sermon on the Mount and he's actually talking to people about how we judge one another. And and in this particular text I want to show you this principle about perception that I think uh, we ought to pay attention to if we want to stay and continue to be healthy or get healthy. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Jesus says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? This is a perception problem. Jesus is marveling at the fact that we, all of us, not the person beside you, all of us, have this incredible ability to see the smallest flaw in other people while neglecting or being blind to the issues that are in our lives and in our heart. Would you agree with that? That is true, right? And and so it's easy to see what our boss should do differently, what our husband or wife should do differently, how our kids should behave. It's easy to look at the people in our lives and go, oh yeah, you've got this problem and this problem and this problem and this problem. All the while, Jesus says we're blind to the fact that there is a giant thing, a log in our own eye. Right? So here's a fun little exercise. Just turn to somebody near you and just tell them, I know you've got problems. Yeah, it's really it's awkward if you don't know who they are, but all right. You know, you know but, but then, okay, but here's, here's, here's how we resolve it. Here's how we resolve it, okay? You know, I know you've got issues. I know you've got problems. Put your hands on your shoulders and say, but I've got issues that I'm working on right here. You go ahead and say that. Everybody can say that. I've got issues. I'm working on them right here. You know? that we see so clearly what's wrong with everybody else, but we're blind. We're absolutely blind sometimes to what's going on right here. You know, over the years, I've met with people as a pastor. It's one of the things I get to do, and sometimes, let's say, for example, if I'm, this is hypothetical, but if I'm meeting with a, with a guy uh, for coffee, and he says, oh, you know, my marriage isn't doing well. Okay, well, tell me about that. Well, you know, a couple years, something happened, and then things kind of deteriorated, and now things aren't going well. We're not communicating, and uh, so what do you think the issue is? Oh, well, you know, she won't. She never. She stopped. You know, and, and, and again, the person's saying, I, I've tried this, and I've tried that, and she won't respond, and this and that. So this is how the conversation goes. Very normal, like the facts from their perspective. But you know what's never happened? Never in all my time meeting with somebody has somebody said, you know, uh, Nathan, I think I'm messing up my marriage. No, nobody's ever said that. Oh, really? Tell me more. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, because you know, Nathan, I, I'm just deeply selfish to the core. Well, now I'm leaning in. I'm like, finally, an honest person, because uh, you know, we're all deeply selfish to the core. And this person just leans in and says, you know, seriously, like, I've just been thinking about it deeply and realized that since the day I got married, I've been pretending to be about her, but really trying to get what I want and need out of this marriage, and, and I, I see it now. I'm like, oh. Well, this is—you know—I spend fifteen hours a week watching football or hockey or cricket or whatever your thing is. You know, I spend all this time doing that, and I spend twenty minutes talking to her, and I wonder why she isn't happy to see me when I come home. You know what, Pastor? I think I—we <laughs> got an amen from the crowd. You know what, Pastor? <laughs> kind of awkward. You know what, Pastor? I'm the problem. Now, of course, of course, it's never all one person. Can we just be clear about that, right? It's not like she's perfect and he's not. The, what's happening in that moment when somebody actually, hypothetically, one day says that to me is that person has now seen the log in their own eye. And they're, they're not pointing at their spouse or their boss or their kid or someone else saying, they have the issue because we know they have issues. They're saying, I'm, I see clearly my issue and I start... And I'm going to address it. Now, when somebody says that to me and explains it in that way, I'm thinking to myself, they're 90% of the way there. I mean, they've now seen it. Now they can address it. All they got to do now is begin changing their behavior. But for so many of us, we just, we, we just see the other side, and we don't see, we don't take the time to see what's truly going on right here inside of us. Because honestly, this is the only thing I can work on. I've tried changing my wife. It doesn't work. I can change me. And if I change me, then my marriage can be healthier for certain. So he continues, so how many of you can say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? Now think about this. Think about this. He's like, here's the craziest thing. Not only do you see clearly what's wrong with them and don't see even what's going on right here, you're trying to fix them. Stop it. He continues, you hypocrite. First, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is very clear. Our first priority is to work on what's right here. Our first priority is to get ourselves healthy, to address our own heart, our own motives, our own habits, and as we get healthy, we can then begin to help and bring health to others around us. The people who are struggling the most are always trying to help everybody else, because it's easier to help somebody else with their problem than to stop and fix what's going on right here. And you know that's true. Jesus says, stop doing it. You've, you've heard the old adage, you've been on a plane. And they're like, hey, in the case of an emergency, if the oxygen has left the cabin and the masks fall out of the ceiling, make sure you put your mask on first before you try to help anyone else. Why? Because if you can't breathe, you and your kid are dead. So put on your mask, take care of what's going on right here, and then you will be healthy enough to help someone else. It's pretty simple. It's pretty profound, in fact. And so uh, the question is, if we we are often so blind to where we're at emotionally, where we're at mentally in our thought life, if we can't even see it, then how do we know if we're okay or not? That's a good question. And and so today I want to help you to kind of define where you're at. If you've ever walked into one of those giant malls, and you're looking for a particular store, you find it on the, on the big directory, and you're like, okay, there it is in the mall, but you, you still can't find it until you know, you got to find, what do you have to find? The little star that tells you where you are, because then you have a reference point to know how to get where you need to be. And so today, I just want to kind of give you three really simple things that you can begin to do that will help you to identify where you're at emotionally, where you're at in your thought life, to, to check your emotional hygiene and to begin making steps towards um, health. So here's the first one uh, that I wanted to share with you. Number one, pay attention. Pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention. You, you, you need to pay attention to what's going on inside of you. I know uh, for years, especially when I was growing up, it was like, oh, you know, emotions aren't, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. actually... Names might hurt you more. Um, and it was just kind of like, oh, emotions aren't important. Just kind of shove them down and ignore them and just keep doing the right thing. But the problem with that is, is those words that are said and those things that you feel, they affect everything. And so you got to pay attention to your emotions, particularly to pain. right? Because pain is, is one of those things that it's a tool that your body uses to let you know something's wrong. If you put your hand on a hot stove... And it sends through your nerves a signal to your brain going, get that hand off of there. It hurts. And you pull your hand away and save your hand. And in the same way, when we feel deep emotional pain, be it grief, regret, loss, uh, you know, fear, anxiety, those things should alert us. Something's not right. And the answer isn't, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm going to bury the pain. The answer is, I need to find out how to address it in a healthy way or this pain will hurt me. So pay attention to what's going on inside of you. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 4, verse 4. Be angry. How many of you agree that's a strong emotion? And do not sin. It's not the emotion that you feel that is sin. Those are separate. It's what you do with it. So here's here's what he suggests. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. In other words, the psalmist is recommending that we take the time to slow down long enough to actually figure out what's going on. I, you know, uh, my wife and I have four kids, and, and sometimes they get bored, especially if we turn off media. All right? No TV, no internet, no devices. And after 50 minutes, they're all like, we're bored. And we just kind of let them complain about being bored. An amazing thing happens. Given enough time, their creativity comes out. And they start coloring. They start writing music. They start building forts. It's, it's amazing, and I honestly think that the same thing is true for us as adults. We are so preoccupied and so busy all the time, we never slow down enough to clear our head and really go, what is going on in here? We turn to our phone, turn to the TV, to the computer, call in a friend, we're doing all of this stuff to occupy ourselves, and we never slow down. Uh, over, the, over the new year, One of the things, I wanted to kind of start the new year right, and so I decided that I was going to do fast for a week, which is to refrain from some things, uh, and pray and just seek God for direction. I invited our elders, so the elders of the church and myself, we were all kind of fasting different things and talking about it, and that was great. Uh, But during that week, one of the things that I was fasting from was media, so my phone, TV, all that. And of course, um, I had a few days off, and so I'm literally sitting at home, 7 o'clock in the evening on the couch staring at the wall the kids were off doing activities and i'm by myself just like okay now what and i and i you know i read for a little while got bored of that put it down and i'm staring at the wall and i'm like oh i wonder how the leafs are doing and i went it, nope can't do that and I'm like oh there's this show i really wanted to catch up on nope can't do that and i'm literally just standing there thinking and about day three i turned into a tyrant because here's what happened all of the emotional things all of the stuff that i had just been so busy been like oh, i'll deal with that later I'll, I'll deal. Oh, you know that really bothered me when my wife said that, or when my kid, you know, didn't didn't acknowledge me, or whatever. It's like these things that normally I'm just like ah oh, whatever, deal with that later. All of a sudden, it's like okay, I have nothing else to do but deal with that now. And everybody wanted to move out. Um, <laughs> it was like detox, but it was like it, seriously, it was like stopping all of the noise. All of a sudden, I was I was beginning to address things that you know it's like you know we do a surface clean. Some of you go into your bedroom, and you vacuum the carpet, and you wipe off, and you put all the clothes away, and everything, oh, it looks beautifully clean. And then about once a year, you decide, maybe I should move the dresser, and you slide it out of the way, and stuff starts scurrying around, dust bunnies, you know, and, and food, and all kinds, of, like, you're just like, oh, like, gross, I didn't know that was there. And here's the thing, if you and I were to slow down long enough with ourselves, we'd discover all kinds of stuff underneath the dresser. Right? When you really start turning over rocks, and I'm not, you're not chasing stuff. I'm just saying that if you slow down long enough, you will actually begin to realize that there's stuff going on that isn't good that you've been too busy to even notice. And I want to encourage you to do that, to pay attention, to pay attention to your emotions and what's happening inside. David says this in Psalm 139, 23. Powerful statement. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. You have David who is a king, who is a warrior, who answers to no one. And he says, God, I'm opening my heart to you. And I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to search me because I know there's a log in my eye. I know I can't see clearly and I'm asking you to test me. And whatever you find, we're going to address it together. That's incredibly humble. It's incredibly vulnerable, wouldn't you agree? And here's the, thing, here's the thing that I've come to realize is that uh, arrogant people don't ask questions. They don't ask questions because they already know the answer. Arrogant people don't ask for help because they can help themselves. But David, who is a king, David, who is the one that was a celebrity that people looked to as a man of God, he was willing to open up his heart to God and to others and to say, search me. See if there's anything in me that is grievous and lead me to the way everlasting. It's super, super powerful. So, pay attention to, to what's going on inside your emotions. That was the first thing. Here's the second thing. To learn to recognize a wide array of emotions. Now, what do you mean, recognize a, lot, a wide array? Of, well, there are many, many words to describe what's going on inside of us. I hope you know this. Uh, my, my experience tells me that women are better at this than men in general. Okay, There's obvious all, all exceptions. But women are generally better at identifying specific emotions that are going on, where men, I don't know, for me, I was kind of taught there were like three emotions for men, anger, frustration, and hunger. (laughs) Hunger's not an emotion. It should be, because it's connected to mine. You know, so you got these, but for, for a lot of men, we don't have even the verbiage to describe what's going on. Like, it's, it, maybe it's not anger. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe that's a better word to identify what's going on. Why is this bothering you so much? Well, maybe it's fear. Well, I'm not afraid of anything. Maybe you are, right? And so being able to identify those words. And again, if you grew up in a, in a world where people said, well, real men don't cry. Man up. Quit acting like a girl. Right? It was like repress, don't express, don't, don't understand what's going on in you, just shove it aside and be a man. Well, being a good and a healthy man who can love a wife and father and parent kids means you must be emotionally healthy. You have to be able to identify what's going on inside of you. So the first step is really to pay attention to what's going on. The second is to um, recognize a wide array of emotions. We've included this wheel, this emotional wheel. There's a lot of words on that wheel. And uh, our small group curriculum for this week, you'll you'll find that document attached if you want to look at it. Um, Tomorrow we'll load it on the website. But around the outside of the wheel, there's positive and negative emotions and then the root causes. And you can kind of look through and begin to identify things uh, that are going on. This is just a tool to help you put words to what's going on inside. So now that we've identified that something is wrong, we've identified what it is, here's the third thing is we need to make a determination for the emotion. All right? Emotional hygiene isn't just recognizing what I'm feeling, but it's, it's knowing what to do. It's knowing what to do with that feeling. So emotional hygiene is recognizing what I'm feeling and knowing what to do with that feeling. So you may think, well, well that's great, Nathan. You've, you've stirred some interesting conversation for me. Uh, but what am I supposed to do next? Well, I suggest starting with the God who created you as an emotional being. Start where David started. Start by taking the time to assess your own heart, to lay it out bare before God. I'd suggest doing that before you go and lay it out to somebody else. But, but bring your heart to God and, and ask Him to help you take an inventory of what's truly going on inside. David wrote this in Psalm 51, verse 16. You will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering, You know, the people had to bring animals and sacrifice them to God. And and David says, that's really not what you're after. You're not after what I can give you. You're not after the animals as nice as they are and the meat and all of this kind of stuff. He continues, the sacrifices of God are, he said, this is what God really wants. A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. You know, God is not impressed with what we bring to him. God is not impressed with people who pretend to have it all together. He's not impressed with people who are strong and can do it on their own. He's just like, really? God, the thing that attracts God to us is our broken and humble and contrite spirit. Our vulnerability to say, I need you. I'm broken. Come, save me. Lead me. It is that attitude, that humility and vulnerability of heart that attracts God. And here's what I've I've learned too. It's also what attracts other people to you. That's where connections happen. Did you know that? There have been so many times when I've been up on this stage, and I feel like I've knocked a sermon out of the park. And I'll come down, I'm feeling good about myself, and someone will come up to me and say, oh man, Nathan, that was the best sermon I've ever heard you preach. I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, well, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what they, you know, oh yeah, was it how I expounded on that text? Was it the story I told that connected to the truth that really hit it home for you? And they'll be like, no, no, it's none of that. Um, when you told that story about how you were mean to your wife and then you had to go back and apologize, hit me right here. And I'm thinking, no, that wasn't even, I wasn't even supposed to say that. It was the vulnerability and the honesty and the humility that connects people together. Think about it. People who are proud and arrogant and have all the answers, do you want to be around them? No. You want to be around people who are open and honest and share with you what's going on. It draws not only God to you, but people to you. And so, I guess in closing, my hope for us as we begin this conversation as a church is that we could be a community, a place where we could take off the mask and be ourselves. That, it, that in this space, in this community, it's okay to not be okay. Because if it's not okay to not be okay, then, then we can't help one another and we can't support one another and we suffer alone. And that has never been God's plan and the church is supposed to rally around one another and support and care and love. But it can't happen until we're willing to take off the mask. And so I want to encourage you to begin this week by, by t- maybe take some time. Maybe for you, your homework could be to, to to fast from something, to set something aside and have some time to go for a walk in the woods by yourself, to to sit alone without digital device, and to just process and say, God, what, what is going on here? Like, I see... I see her problem. I see his problem. I know what my boss could do better. I could do his job twice as good. Like, I see all that. But God, would you show me what's going on right here? Could we start working on this right here? Would you lead me to the place and to the way everlasting? Would you guide my heart? And as we start that conversation and we continue to learn together, we can move towards health individually and together. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to talk about a subject like this. And Lord, I know uh, because I'm human that all of us are struggling with something. And Father, today as we, uh, as we think about these ideas, God, I pray that our hearts would turn towards you. Uh, that in the silence, in the moments after this service, when we go home, when we're laying in our bed, when we're by ourselves, God, that each of us would turn our hearts to you and just say, search me, oh God. God, would you show me what I'm not seeing? Would you help me to identify the stuff that is going on beneath the surface that I didn't even know was affecting my life, my family? God, would you lead us by your spirit? I pray that you would do that today. And Lord, as we humble and open our hearts to you, that you would lead us towards you, strengthen our relationship with you, and ultimately our relationships with the people we love. I pray in Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.